0: Hey guys, my name's Jessica. Welcome to Unveiling the Scriptures podcast with Pastor Steve Curtis and Jared Curtis. Grab your Bibles as they continue the study into the book of Revelation. heard my sister say i want to welcome you to this episode of the unveiling the scriptures podcast as we continue walking through the book of revelation um what we don't want to do is we don't want to just jump in to chapter seven tonight without understanding where we're at because i know one of the worst things we can do when it comes to bible study is leave context behind and then just jump into a couple verses and and roll from there so before we get rolling um so are we finally going to see the seventh seal, right? Because
1: that's where we—that's li- where no, we lived we're off, not. Right? We're not going to see the seventh seal tonight. Look like at that,
0: John's playing with our emotions.
1: But but we do need to go back and kind of because Revelation is such a complicated book, and what I mean by that is there are a lot of moving parts, and to to try to jump in the middle of it, you can if, if you're not familiar with how Revelation rolls, you'll find yourself confused. And so let me just take a moment do a quick review of where we are up to now. Of course, in chapter 1, we know that, that John begins to see this vision, and the vision of, starts out with Jesus Christ. In fact, the book is the revelation of Jesus Christ, and we see him in his glory. There are, there are numerous names for him describing who he is. And then uh, as we enter into chapter 2 and 3, there are the seven churches. I believe that's representative of the church age. But these are seven individual churches with, um, w- where Jesus looks at these churches and gives an evaluation. Some of them get a condemnation and a commendation. Some of them just get commendation. Some get just condemnation. I believe that when chapter 3 commences or, or, excuse me, comes to an end, I believe that that is the end of the church age because once we hit chapter 4, we leave the earth, actually. We go into the throne room in heaven where there's worship going on, and then in chapter 5, we have Jesus uh, sitting, uh, our our Father is sitting on the throne, and Jesus takes this scroll, and this scroll in his right hand, and, and this scroll has seven seals, and so we're beginning to open the seals, in chapter six, of course, we all know or have heard of the four uh, horsemen of the apocalypse, and 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 you know, I they, they represent one represents a false peace, one represents war, one represents famine, and one represents death. And then we are taken to the uh, tribulation saints under the altar, uh, where where they are crying for vengeance. And uh, that's the fifth seal. The sixth seal, we see literally all hell breaking loose on Earth. We begin to see an earthquake, and we begin to see probably volcanoes and the stars or asteroids or meteors falling from the sky, all kinds of uh, catastrophe and, and disaster going on. Um, and people are hiding their face, and, and they know what's going on. In, in other words, they know it's from the Lamb of God. It tells us this in the last, verse, last couple of verses of chapter 6. So between, cha- between the 6th and 7th seal, there is what we call an interlude. Uh, we might better know that as a few years ago in the movies. You would go and watch a movie, and they would have an, a time of intermission this is kind of where they hit the pause button button there's this interlude time of intermission and as we hit chapter 7 and it's pretty cool cuz it not only happens with between the 6th and 7th seal it'll happen between the 6th and 7th trumpet and the 6th and 7th bowl in fact when we look at and we talked about this a few week, a few times back where we were talking about the seventy weeks of Daniel. Well, between sixty-nine and seventy, there's another interlude, and that's the church period. That's where we are. So as we as we embark upon chapter seven, we see uh, we see something very interesting going on in this um, in this what I call interlude, or what theologians call interlude. And the first part of chapter seven deals with the. With Israel, you know Israel is is um, always the target. They're God's people, and uh, in fact, they're they're probably the most hated country in the world. In fact, if you go to Israel um, and and you bring your passport, they don't stamp your passport. They give you an extra little card so that uh, so that if you go to other countries and they see you've been passed, especially Muslim countries. Uh, and they see you, pa- your past, they may not let you in. I mean, that's how much Israel is hated around the world. So God, uh, as as he re- unveils the revelation of Jesus Christ in chapter 7, I didn't mean to be so long, but as we, <laughs> chapter 7, we begin to see uh, God dealing with Israel in a specific group. So you want to go ahead and read or, or begin, uh, or sure. do you have any more, any comments before? No, no,
0: I, would, well... I said no, and then I said, "Well, let me just say one thing. Um, I think it's really important as we as we dive into chapter seven to remember that one of the great things about Revelation is that it it like the other books in the Bible. It's not a standalone. It's not all by itself. It's not right. It's it's tied deep into with um, Old Testament scriptures. It's uh, Jesus speaks into it, right. So there's there's a connection with Revelation to the rest of the Bible as well. So, in the things that they describe, it's important, like we saw in in chapter 1, when when John's describing what he sees in Jesus, there's ties, there's words, there's phrases that tie the reader back to Old Testament, and, and, and certain things that he sees that'll stand for certain things, like when they talk about the fire, is judgment, right? The white hair being wisdom, and and um, so we could go through the whole the whole list, um, but keep in mind that as we walk through even this chapter, that we're going to see we're going to see some things that are going to tie us back to the Old Testament to give us a better understanding of what's taking place as we read it. So, do you have a specific number of verses you want me to read?
1: Yeah, I would just go ahead go ahead and read to, through verse. Um, let me see here, verse eight. Okay, And that'll give us, the, the, we'll begin to deal with the, with the Israel again. And then, what, it, let me just kind of give kind of the outline. The first eight verses deal with Israel, and then the last remaining verses deal with Gentile and Gentile nations. And so, we'll see how that works together.
0: All right. So, starting in verse 1, Scripture says, After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on earth or sea or against any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the arising of the sun, from the rising of the sun, with the seal of the living God. And he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm earth and sea, saying, "Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads." And I heard the number of the sealed. 144,000, scaled from every tribe of the sons of Israel. 12,000 from the tribe of Judah were sealed, 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 from the tribe of Gad, 12,000 from the tribe of Asher, 12,000 from the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 from the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 from the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 from the tribe of Levi, 12,000 from the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 from the tribe of Zebulun, 12 from the tribe of Joseph and 12,000 from the tribe of Benjamin were
1: sealed. So we see and again in the last part of chapter six, you know the, it's just horrible but, but something happens when we hit chapter seven. It's like um, it's like God says, okay, I'm hitting the pause button on this on this uh, on this picture, on this play, on this movie or whatever and, and I and everything is to stand still. And so we you read earlier uh, the four angels standing at the four corners of the earth holding back the four winds of the earth or actually holding back judgment of the earth. Now real quickly this is just a side note. Uh, I'm not we're not flat earthers or you know and that kind of thing. What? Um, th- when it says, it says the four, four corners of the earth had to do with direction of the winds blowing it doesn't have to do you know with four
0: Well sure. I mean what I mean like today when we when we use the term four corners of the earth, right? we're talking about the earth as a whole, right? All sides, all directions, all, so, yeah.
1: Well, what he's saying here is he's saying, okay, I want you to stop the judgments because I'm going to do something. And and this is so cool because in the midst, in the midst of chaos, God's grace still is extended. Mm -hmm. God's mercy is still extended. Available, and he starts by talking about these twelve thousand from each tribe of Israel. There's a whole teaching of that as well. You know why are certain tribes there and certain? I mean, there's twelve, but we're not going to get into that. You know, a lot of it has to do with Joseph's two sons, mm-hmm. Manasseh and Ephraim. <clears throat> but that's not that. The point is that 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 they are sealing. God is sealing these people. He's stopping the, the, uh, the carnage. He's stopping the disasters and, and the catastrophes that are going on. And it says, I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000. I believe that these are 144,000 Jews who will proclaim the gospel. I believe they're kind of like evangelists. And um, I had a little paper here that kind of that, that tells exactly what's going on. The, the, those that are redeemed in Revelation 7, 1 through 8, are the 144,000 from the 12 tribes of Israel. They're standing on earth, and they're sealed. They're, they're set aside for protection. As they go through the tribulation period, they will be protected, unlike the next group of chapter 7. So um, so here we got these angels that are, that are it says they stop the wind. Stops the winds of judgment. Mm-hmm. It's silent. God says, "Okay, we're going to take some time here, and we're going to seal these people because I've got a special mission during this terrible time."
0: Yeah, it it almost it almost seems like a second level to the story that that he's already started, where you know he's he's laid out for through the first six seals, leading up to the seventh. That of course we're not talking about yet. It kind of gives us the like the. 500,000-foot overview of all that is about to take place in God's chosen—in uh, the way he's going to wrap up history, the way he's going to wrap up time. Um, and, and and it's almost like he says, okay, well, so I brought you all through the sixth seal, and I've let you know about the death, the famine, right, the Antichrist being the first one. I've, I'm, I'm informing you of all of this. So now let's let's stop and kind of, I want to take a step back and give you another layer of the story mm. is almost what it feels mm. like. So so kind of picturing the same, just a minute ago, there's the angels, the elders, right? The creatures, I forgot what, what they were called, four creatures. the four yeah. creatures, yeah. and everybody's praising, worshiping God. Then it gets scary because this scroll that represents the way that, God wants to wrap up time like his mm-hmm. his decided way of, of of wrapping everything up nobody has the ability to make happen and then the lamb right the lamb shows up and so then there's worship again so now we're we're in that place again where John's like I said I feel kind of like he's getting this all right look, now that you've got an idea of the of all that is going to take place in those six seals. Now God wants to show you right now. Now the Lord is showing him again, in the middle of all of that, those horrible things, the grace and the mercy that's going to take place. And, and so, and this is kind of what I was referring to when I was talking earlier about the, you know, going back to some of the, when you go back into the old Testament and, and the prophets and whenever wind is used, right it's, it's judgment uh-huh. right. it's the, the the wind of judgment coming in and it's again god saying hold on because even in the midst of a horrible horrible time i'm still going to provide grace and mercy through my people and and what i also think is really interesting too and i'm if i jump too far ahead or around too much just let me know is that it it doesn't say that all of the jews
1: uh-huh.
0: are sealed right not all of them right. and the reason i think that's important is you know we oftentimes and i'm not going to preach a message but whenever we read about old testament especially when we read about the children of israel coming out of egypt and going through the 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 desert on the way to the promised land we'll often think and say dumb things like I mean, they were led by a pillar of you know the fire, they were led by the cloud. they were fed by manna from heaven. How in the world would you ever not believe? A, these are this is the line that God chose to bring Jesus through. Mm-hmm. and there were still those that mm-hmm. don't believe, right. right right. It's not about what we do. It's not about right. what right. group of people we're a part of. It's it's all about the saving grace and mercy of Christ, right, and through what he did. And so, again, and I'm going to try not to repeat myself too much. What we see here is we see God, the, the living God, right, and his seal. And I think that's really important too is, you know, whenever I think about the word seal, I think about – I really like movies that are set in kind of the whole like Robin Hood and – uh, the knights of the round table and and those that I don't know why it is not coming to my mind right now, but that setting, and oftentimes when they would send letters like and things medieval, like that, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but that you'd have the king's signet, uh-huh. his ring that he put in the wax and seal, and so when people saw that, they knew, like they saw it and they knew what that was about, and that who who that message was from, and so. What John's telling us here with the the 144,000 is that they have the seal of the living God on them. Like mm-hmm. that right. they have been chosen. They have been stamped. And being that they have been sealed, like we today are sealed by the Holy Spirit, Right. there's nothing that's going to separate right. them from God.
1: Right. Nothing.
0: They're in the, protected. In the midst yeah. of all that we've just been told about the death, the famine, the war, the right. right? And God's going to, because God cannot be stopped Mm -hmm. in doing what he wants to do. And to me, that's just super exciting. And
1: another picture of this is, you know, there's so many old Testament illustrations of that, but Noah, you know, so here God's getting ready to destroy the world because the world is sin filled, sin stained and sin over it's overtaken Mm -hmm. by sin. And, and so, but Noah, Noah, found grace scripture says in, in Genesis 6 Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and they're again in the midst of this horrific uh, catastrophic apocalypse atmosphere there's these 12 these 144 thousand that that God seals and protects now th- when we get to the next group of people uh, they suffered Tremendously, but these group of people are basically spared from the suffering or spared from um, from uh, the attacks, and they, I believe, there are one hundred forty four thousand witnesses sharing the gospel.
0: Yeah, and there's well, and there's a lot of I know there's other religions that will claim the the label of the one hundred forty four thousand, right? They say, well, these are, and of course, you know, years down the road now, it's, well, if it was, they were the 144,000, that probably well, uh, should have stopped by
1: well, now. The problem <laughs> is, there are about 7 million of them. Right. I don't know, I don't know what they do with so, the rest. But, so, yeah, <laughs> it's a
0: little, so we do We do know based on, I mean, just reading scripture that, that it is going to be from the tribes um, of Israel. I don't, you know, and I don't know that they're going to necessarily know who they are as far as, oh, look, I'm from this tribe and I'm from that tribe, but.
1: But God I does. Think they will. You think I, know? I do. I think they're going to know then. I think God will reveal to the sealed group what tribe because He's real specific in naming them and mm-hmm. saying these are from this. So I think they'll know. Uh, we don't know now, but if if it's that close, but um, I believe they'll know who they are, what tribe they're from. So okay. Maybe, but that I could be wrong. <laughs> Been wrong before. Not much, but you know. <laughs> but. So uh, so the Jews are sealed, these hundred, you know, the, the earth stand stills, if you please, mm-hmm. and they hit the pause button. We're in this parathenical time between, you know, uh, all hell breaking loose and, and it picking back up again when we get to the seventh seal in chapter 8. Uh, but we're again in this uh, parentheses, if you please, and yeah, go ahead and read "Great Multitude from Every Nation." This is an interesting uh, text. Before you do, let me let me just read something. Chuck Swindell says something really good about, uh, and hopefully, this helps clarify it as well. He says he says. At the opening of the vision in Revelation 7, God sent for four angels to restrain the four winds of the earth, an idiom for the four cardinal directions. The reference to wind, as we talked about, symbolizes the coming judgments that will affect both land and sea, verses 1 and 2, chapter 7. An angel then rushed into the scene, holding the seal of the living God, as you were talking about, to mark the bond service bondservants of God on their foreheads. So as we enter into the this last portion of chapter 7, we see that the 144,000 are sealed and in place.
0: All right, so starting in chapter, or chapter, verse 9, uh, Scripture says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might to our God forever and ever. Amen. You want to stop there? Yeah, let's talk about that just for a second. uh, Who
1: who are these people? I mean, we have uh, my little, the little heading in the Bible says great multitude from every nation. Um, And uh, who are these people? Uh, And we're going to get to that, but it explains a little bit about them. You know, I saw and behold a great multitude that no one could number. They didn't, you know, they weren't into the numbers because they couldn't count. So there were so many, they, they basically couldn't count from every nation all over the world, which could include Jewish people, which mm-hmm. can include, of course, Gentiles as well. And and uh, they're standing before the throne, uh, before the lamb. And, and here's the key, clothed in white robes. That Now, they these tribulation saints is who we're talking about here, the, the martyrs. Uh, And it'll tell us in just a minute. We talk about them later on in the Book of Revelation, where they they do get literal robes. This is symbolic, saying that they are they are the white robe is is a symbol of salvation. In other words, they have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Uh, uh, We used to sing a song: "The best thing in my life I ever do was to take off the old robe and put on the new." The old robe was dirty, all tattered and torn, but the new robe was spotless and never been worn. So the picture here is the white robes were clean; they're they're cleansed of their sin, they're redeemed. Uh, Again, this is not the church, and we'll see in a minute that it's not the church. And then it goes on to say, with palm branches, and uh, the palm branches were interesting because it was one of the the ways that they would uh, worship. Uh, They did Christ. Uh, uh, when he came in in Jerusalem on the donkey mm-hmm. and, they, and they waved, the. we have a Sunday we call Palm Sunday, and they waved the branches. Uh, um, and it was an Old Testament practice that they did um, at festivals. and uh, But here uh, they're waving the branches again. It's something that's, that's going to, every time they're in the throne room, you know what they're doing? They're not saying... Oh, God, thank! I, look at me. I'm not saying look at the awards or rewards that I got. Every time we hit the throne room, worship erupts. And so that's what they're doing. You know, with the white robes, they're clean because of what Christ has done for them. They have the palm branches, and then they cry, um, and then they're crying with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And the angels were standing around the, uh, excuse me, around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And what did they do? They fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, uh, "You know, when Jesus uh, came in his triumphal entry, his blessed is an uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord.' And here, Amen, blessed and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving given and honor and power and might to be our God forever and ever." Did we stop there or did we move on?
0: Yeah, that's where we stopped. And I think, I think it's pretty amazing that John could recognize 144,000 mm-hmm. when talking about the 12,000 from each tribe mm-hmm. that have been sealed, that we're going to be, like you said, that we're going to be, I think, the new evangelists, the ones that we're going to take the word of God to the people because the church isn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. And so the church isn't there to do that. That's what we do now. That's the job of the church is to make disciples, to make disciples, that make disciples, that, right. but they're gone. Right. And so God says, again, my word is not going to be stopped, and I'm going to do what it is that I want to do. And so, but John can recognize 144,000, but the number of people that are brought to the throne room by the 144,000, he says— I can't count. Them. There's just there's too you, many. You know,
1: in our country, years ago, and they still do it a little bit now. Churches would have Jared, Churches would have these things called revivals. It's what you did on a Friday night, oh, sure. I guess. And uh, and you know, and we've heard of you know, of course, different uh, occurrences. You know, the Reformation where many people came to Christ, and and the church was actually brought back in line. Uh, when we look at the Great Awakenings in our country. And, and Billy Graham crusades, I remember people would, you know, hundreds of people would come down the aisle and hopefully give their lives to Christ. But what they're talking about here is a revival uh, that we've never seen before. We've never seen it. You know, we've seen some moves of God where God's worked in, in miraculous ways, but we've never seen this before. Uh, and so this is, I, I think, a kind of revival of all time. I
0: heard one guy say one time, it's like 144,000 billy grams.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And even though there's going to be a whole lot of people who are saying, even in the midst of the, all the judgments and all the pain and all the uh, all the horrific things that are going on, they're going to say no to Christ. And we read about it in the last mm-hmm. couple of verses of chapter 6. But, But this is interesting because, you know, we have almost— I don't know if revival is the right term, but a move of God here, where hundreds of thousands and millions of people are giving their one and only lives to Christ, so and yeah. and not
0: and not because of and not because of all the great things that God can Correct. do, yeah, right. But right. because of who God is, right, right, and that's enough, right. right? They, they, they. It has been revealed to them that there is a God, and you are very far from Him. Uh-huh. And he and he draws them to them, and I also think it's really cool too how how it's it's going almost like to an kind of an Old Testament setting again. So today we are sealed, right? To use some of the same language mm-hmm. by the Holy Spirit. At the time that God saves us, we're marked. We're His. We are we are bought. There is the the down payment. I heard one guy say mm-hmm. uh, through uh, you know, and what that means is that that we've been claimed and. God's going to come get us mm-hmm. when he's ready to take us home. Um, but you're not going to see that because the Holy Spirit indwells the church mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Church isn't going to be here. right? And so it's going to be old school, like when the Holy Spirit would come upon a king or he would come upon a prophet, prophet or, you know, and, and mm-hmm. do what he had to do and then he'd move on. Mm-hmm. And so and that's a, just another thing to even consider, too, that if. If we're going to be serious about what's going on here, and, and serious about our relationship with Christ and the understanding that that is fueled by the Spirit, like our ability to follow Christ, our ability to worship Him, our ability to to be obedient comes through the faith provided by the Holy Spirit. Right. Because again, on our own, we can't, we can't, right. we can't right. do it. And so today, we live with that. You live with it. I live with it. Mom, Jess, John, right, our family, our church family, those that know Christ, we have the Holy Spirit driving us mm-hmm. every day of our lives. Now, we'll make decisions on whether or not we want to follow that, and right. we'll mess up, right. but this is going to be different.
1: Right. The Holy and, Spirit is not going to indwell like he did. Right. You just said that, like he did. But, but here is in the midst of, of chaos, in the midst of disaster. We see revival. We see the move of God here,
0: and so they take us back to the, the throne room,
1: okay. and again the elders are there. And we believe
0: the elders represent the, the church. church. Right. So if the elders are there, clearly they're not well the hundred forty four thousand, yeah. and they're not hundred forty
1: thousand, and and uh, from the twelve tribes they're on earth, uh, whereas these people are the, they're innumerable. In other words, mm. you can't count them. They're from every nation, tribe, people, and language, and they stand before God's throne. I'm going to throw this in, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but uh, when, when the tabernacle or the temple was established in, in the Old Testament, um, it was a replica of what, ha- what it looks like in heaven. And so what we're going to be seeing in the throne room here is, is, is uh, the true holy place, the true holy of holies, and we'll see that later on. So when they come to the throne room, you know, all you can do is worship. And these elders, I believe, are are representative of the the church. And go ahead. You're going to read verse 13.
0: Verse 13. So one of the elders turns to John. Then the one elder addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb.
1: So they are tribulation saints. Uh, Yeah, You know, when we get to chapter, I think it's 20, 21, 22, when we start getting into the, the distinctions of Jew and Gentile, the church, the tribulation saints won't be anymore. There will be none of those distinctions at that time, but but as God, uh, as God works through His His promise, is uh, as God works through this prophetic calendar up to this point, He still deals with these different groups, and again, we don't see th- these people who are wearing the white robes and and and, and are saved are people are redeemed. Are people not of the church, as you said earlier? Mm-hmm. But they are people of, um, they're people who have been redeemed in the tribulation, and uh, and there's and and what's really cool about this is that there's there's just probably millions upon millions of people that we see here. They're wearing the white robes, and uh, and and John, they're saying, who are these people? And these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. Well,
0: let's picture that just for a second. I mean, think about this for a second. So let's, I don't know what John looked like, and I don't know what the elders look like, but let's have fun with this just, just for a moment. So John's watching all this, right? He's writing this down because that's his job right now is to record everything that he's seeing because it's going to the church, right? So we can know what is to come, the revelation of Jesus, so he's writing all this down, and one of the elders – and like this is how I see it in my head, leans over and says, so who do you think they are? John's like, why are you asking me? You know who they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know who they are, and let me tell you who they are. Almost mm-hmm. that kind of a, mm-hmm. do you really see what's going on here? I need you I need you to really notice what's going on. Something that, that we need to point out is that when – when he says these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation, that word the is very important. Correct. It's not a great tribulation. It's not, right? So the, the Greek words used are to identify a specific event, right? The great tribulation. So it's just what the elder is telling John is to let him know what you are seeing are these people that are coming out of the not just any people out of a rough time or out of a tribulation, like the tribulation that we're talking about. These are the ones that are being led back to the throne of God through the 144,000.
1: Well, it's interesting because, you know, this is so amazing because we think that if there is tribulation, nobody comes to Christ. There's persecution that will, that will stop the spread of the gospel. And what's amazing, I mean, because in America, it is relatively easy and, and, and to come to Christ. Oh, sure. You know, we hear the gospel. we The Spirit convicts us. We respond to the the, the, the the plea of the Spirit of God, and we get saved. And in America, mostly, and in and a good part of the world, we go back home. We go back to our jobs. Mm-hmm. We go back to our comfortable settings we go back to our neighbors and friends and we might get a little bit of ridicule because we we we've become believers or Christians and might be laughed at by some friends but it's relatively easy to come to Christ mm-hmm. not true as we're reading some of the the ter- ter- terrible events that are going on and people are being uh, tortured and murdered and killed uh and uh for the cause of Christ. Well, and God had
0: to mark his 144,000. He had to seal them. He had to protect them because, right. Because what you're talking about, if God doesn't protect them, then nobody stands a chance.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, that's how far that that God has to go. Right.
1: Right. (laughs) Absolutely, Absolutely. These people are trusting Christ. Knowing that they may lose their head the next week. Um, There was, I read a book. I'm reading a book now. I think you've read it too, called The Insanity of God, where the author talks about leading people to Christ, like in Somalia or some of these uh, uh, actually kind of closed countries to the gospel, knowing that when he leads his family to Christ, that next week they may all be slaughtered. Mm -hmm. Now, that's one thing, you know, and, and that's what's going on here in the tribulation. These people. And I don't know. I, I I think the only way to be saved is really saved, you know. Right. But these people are understanding the cost, physically, emotionally, but more importantly, spiritually, that they are. They're saying we're going to follow Jesus Christ if it means our death. And and this is what's so amazing. And so what do they do? They don't cry. They well first. The, a lot of these tribulation saints who had been martyred said, "Hey, you know, Lord, don't forget just Get them for us. You know, yeah. you, know? <laughs> you, and, you know, do what you promise. do But here, here, you don't hear that as much. You right? hear just a lot of worship and praise of who Christ is.
0: Uh, oddly enough, they're not singing things like, "We're so glad we're not in hell." You know, we're so happy because yeah. that's not people don't get saved because they don't want to go to hell. People don't get saved because there's things they want God to do for them. This worship is the representation of their salvation. They understand who God is. Right. And that's all that matters. what he did for them. And that's all that matters. And so they fall before him and they worship him after going through all of this they stand before him that, and not everybody's going to do it. Everybody every knee will bow, we know that. Every tongue yeah. will confess, but not everyone will worship God. Right. right. There's people that are going to spend eternity separated from him in hell that refuse to worship him. Uh-huh. These aren't people that get to heaven and they're saying, "Well, we're going to worship you because you've done all these really cool things." Uh-huh. No. You're God. And that's enough. Right. Right. And and so they're worshipping for that. And so like I said, that that just that interaction between the elder and John, I think, would have been somewhat even comical and mm-hmm. when the elder asked him, so so who is this? Who, who are the ones, you know, who are these clothed in white robes and from where did they come? And John says, you know. <laughs> he says, yes, exactly. I do know. Mm-hmm. They're the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. And how crazy does that sound, white in the blood of the lamb? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever gotten blood on anything. But it doesn't turn white,
1: mm-hmm. right? 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 It was that old picture we used to get when I was in, in in Sunday school years ago. You would have you would have a black heart which represented sin, and then it would then they would take old flannel graph. Yes, I don't know if you remember flannel graph. Then you take the red heart and put over it, and then you take the white heart and put over it because it 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 represents that white robe, mm-hmm. it represents a clean heart. So.
0: And it represents what only the lamb could do. Right. And that's really important to remember too. In the midst of all this, like you said, we're in the throne room. There's worship going on. It's all very clear who is to be worshiped. But washing by the blood of the lamb is the only thing that, that responds with white, with purity. Right. It's nothing. It's not anything that the 144,000 did. It's nothing that the great multitude that follow did. Mm-hmm. It was all about the blood of the lamb doing for them what they couldn't do for themselves.
1: Well, and then it gets better here. Yeah, it it this describes for us what goes on in the throne before the Lord, and and it's interesting. Sometimes we think when we get to heaven, we're going to just kind of float around on clouds and play harps, right? And that to me sounds pretty boring. But oh, look, that sounds horrible. But notice what they say here. What's going on here? He says, therefore, they are before the throne of God. And notice what they do. And serve him day and night in his what? In his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his, this is what I love, his presence. In other words, we, we, we looked at the place where we're in the throne room here. We looked at the people, the, um, those that are coming out of the great tribulation, and now what are they doing? They're before the throne, and they're serving him. Not exactly sure what they're doing, but we know it's an act of mm-hmm. service. Night and day we're at in that heavenly holy temple. He who sits on the throne will shelter. That, that's the Lord will. Christ will shelter them with, with what? His presence. When you're in the presence of God, you are really sheltered. <laughs> From any kind of storm from without, they shall now now remember in the tribulation what goes on is if you don't take the mark of the beast, you you don't you can't go to the grocery store, you can't buy and sell, you can't get water, you can't do those things to sustain your life, and many of them suffered, many of them died, but it says here that don't worry about what's what's going on there; it's not happening here anymore. He says that they shall hunger no more, neither thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. Let me go ahead and finish, and you can come back and. Sure. and but uh, later on in the book of Revelation, we see how the sun will will uh, will be so bright and so and its and its, and it's shine on people will be uh, talking about sunburn. It will be deadly. And then he says, for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their, the word shepherd there, and synonymous with the word pastor. He will be their covering, and he will guide them to what? What? Springs of living water. And then, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now, again, he's talking about the tribulation saints here. Uh, Later on, I believe it's in chapter 21 or 22, he talks about wiping away all the tears. From all who enter into the the, uh, the the new heaven, the of course the uh, the kingdom, the new heaven, the new earth, and uh, but here he's talking about um, these tribulation saints uh, who um, who gave their lives basically to follow Jesus Christ in a world that says if you do that, it will cost you your life, cost you your head.
0: I think there is real value in paying attention to. Uh, paying attention to what God's going to do and what they're not going to experience. And of course, that's what it says. But what I mean is this, is there's a reason why um, it was important for John to write, and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. So to this point, shelter has been an issue. Mm
1: -hmm. Correct like right. food, and they have yeah, not—they have
0: not, they have not been secure as far as their physical setting goes. Mm-hmm. They have not—they um, have not uh, been able to lock down all those physiological needs, mm-hmm. those things that are determined. You know that many say determines whether or not we progress as human beings. Mm-hmm. Like the basic needs in life, they don't have those. Is what we can assume by John saying that God is going to. Give this shelter by their presence. Like you were saying about the thirst, about the heat. Um, uh, so for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them to springs of living water. Water is probably not something that's right easily accessible. And then not only that, they're not going to feel... Because, see, I, you know, if if we're being real, living in a world that is drenched in sin, we can oftentimes find ourselves feeling like... We are alone, Mm -hmm. that we are Mm -hmm. shepherdless, that we Mm -hmm. are just kind Mm -hmm. of getting swept up in what's going on. And the reason that we feel that way is because of the sin-stained world we live in with the flesh Mm -hmm. that we have to fight Mm -hmm. with on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. But what these millions and millions are going to experience is you will now be— guided clearly because you are not worrying about mm-hmm. where do I get my next meal? Where do I get my next drink? How do I make sure my family is covered? Mm-hmm. How do I, you know, you don't have to worry about any of that anymore because now you are with the shepherd that is here in the throne room.
1: And the pain of watching a loved one be killed yeah. the pain of seeing utter destruction and devastation. That that just causes deep depression for us will happen no more. For God will wipe away every tear. It doesn't just mean He's taking care of the the, the tears from the tear ducts mm-hmm. kind of, but He's saying, "I will take away the pain that drove those tears. I will take away uh, your 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 mourning. Uh, he turns our mourning into dancing." He will take away those things that, uh, that have hurt us so deeply, and he will give us joy. And I think that last verse, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, is, is, uh, is a picture of taking away all of the pain that we suffered because of sin, and we will live in his presence. Great, but next time we open the seventh seal again, and we begin to see In that seven seal what comes out. Interesting study, and we'll get to that next time.
0: Well, the thing about grace and mercy is none of them are ever deserved. And that's what makes them grace and mercy. And even at a time when when even at the time when God decides that he's ready to wrap up time, Mm -hmm. he still extends Mm -hmm. grace and mercy to those that don't deserve it. And again, we get to see the worshiping of him because of who he is.
1: Maybe there's somebody listening and following and they don't know Christ and the spirit of God is convicting them. My prayer is, Jared, that tonight or today or whenever they're listening, maybe they're running and they're listening to it or they're watching it in the privacy of their home and they don't know Christ. And I'm not talking about are you a member of the church or, or did you sign a card or walk an aisle or even get baptized? but have you trusted Christ has, has the spirit of God transformed, uh, actually more than transformation, it's regeneration yeah. taken taking the dead life that we have and given us new life in Jesus Christ. If not, I encourage you to give your one and only life to the one and only savior. You want to close us in prayer? Let's pray. Okay.
0: Heavenly father, we thank you again. Um, for the grace and the mercy that you so graciously uh, pour out onto us god uh, we have done absolutely nothing in our existence to deserve what you have given for us for what um for what you have have provided and we thank you for that god we love you and and we thank you for saving us and for calling us to you and and for Saving us from your wrath and bringing us into your family, God, we thank you for being a God that extends grace and mercy over and over and over. But, but we will not, you will not be mocked,
1: mm,
0: that's right. and you've made it clear that you are God. So we pray that even in this time, as somebody's listening, this God, if they don't know you, that you you draw them to you in a way that is just irresistible. And may they come to know the God of salvation, the God of the Bible, and not necessarily just the God of their own mind. We love you in Jesus'
1: name. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of Unveiling the Scriptures podcast. We'll see you next time.